Welcome back to another episode of the QB Spotlight Podcast. As always, you can find the podcast on Twitter at QB Spotlight. It has been an eventful early start to the week. So week nine heading into in college football play, Eric Henry, FIU beat writer slash co-managing editor of Underdog Dynasty, SB Nation's home for G5 football coverage. Always joined, as always, by the man, the myth, the legend, the guru behind QB Spotlight, the new dad slash, you know, making big things happen. We'll talk about that in a second. Mr. Stephen Hamner. Steve, I know you are uh, coming off of a quick 10-minute nap. Did you sneak that nap in? or? Uh... Yeah, I, I was able to, to get some shut-eye real quick. Um, but, uh, you know, may, maybe I'll get a few hours tonight if the, uh, if the baby lets me. So we'll, we'll see to be determined. And once again, he is still making time, which this is valuable time. He could have napping. That he has taken out of his time for us, and as, as, as always, especially those of us who do not have kids, we greatly appreciate that. You know, some of us have to uh, bite the bullet for others, and Steve and his gorgeous wife Lindsay have uh, undertaken that task for the rest of us. So, uh, Steve, really quick, man, no, we've talked about you know your life kind of growing, expanding, all in positive ways. In addition to this podcast, and you join an Underdog Dynasty, the new addition to the family. So, just want to go ahead and let you take it away as far as where you will be heading in the future. Yeah. So for those who, and real quick, we're, we're recording this on the on the night on Tuesday night, night of the election, and we have you know people who are passionate about their candidates kind of outside uh, outside our house. So if you hear honking and that type of stuff, just know that that's that's what it's coming from. That's uh, all the the political stuff we'll get into today. But real quick, so I've been in Florida the past few years, bouncing back and forth between Florida and, and, and Texas, uh, as people who kind of keep up with us know. Uh, I'll train uh, MLB and NFL guys in, in Houston in the offseason, and, and, and Florida we do some stuff uh, during this, th- those seasons. Uh, so things are changing, and now I'm going back to Texas kind of permanently uh, to the Austin, Texas area. And uh, I know I shared with Eric kind of what we are launching down there, and, and it's on the it's on the DL for right now. Uh, but we definitely be excited to share with with anyone who who uh, will will want to know that some cool kind of cool stuff that's involved in the the sports field, if you will. So uh, stay tuned for for that news coming up. Yeah, big things on the horizon for the Hamner family, in addition to the growing family. Uh, Steve, you know, it has been, you know, I, I promise we'll, we'll save the, uh, you know, the, the, um, the golden globes or the Oscar speech, you know, for another time, but I want to get this quickly said this, say this before we hop into the, uh, the preview, man, it has been my pleasure to get the chance to know you and, uh, work with you into this podcast with you. So wish you nothing but the best. And of course, this is not goodbye. This is see you later. This podcast isn't going anywhere. I want to emphasize that we, thanks to the, the modern uh, advent of technology. We'll continue yep. to tape this thing on, on Uber Conference, so that's not going anywhere. But Steve will not be an hour drive away from me, so that makes me a little bit sad. But all in all, I'll see him in Austin. With that being said, without further ado, let's hop into our recap of Week 8. And I want to start right with a question that we got. Maybe we got to start putting out these uh, these question tees a little bit earlier, right? We, we got a, a, a tweet in about an hour. Mike Collin from Rice, someone who had a big game. I believe he went 12-17 for uh, about 240-something yards, four touchdowns. Big time game for Austin Trammell. He's someone who, after Steve gives gives me his synopsis, what he saw from Mike Collins, I'll talk about Trammell a little bit. But Steve, go and talk about Rice's signal caller. Yeah, so this was so we briefly talked about him last week in the game against Middle Tennessee. He had a slow start, picked up a little bit, and ended up with four passing touchdowns last week in the loss against Middle Tennessee. This week they come out firing, and, and, and you know they they beat Southern Miss thirty to six, and there is no really 
question about it. The game was never in doubt. Rice was in control the whole time. And uh, Mike Collins, again, with four passing touchdowns. Uh, and, and those who don't know uh, the, the history behind Mike Collins, he was he's a grad transfer from TCU, had some playing time at TCU. Uh, you know, it's kind of a crowded quarterback room up there. Uh, took his chances down to Rice, and so far it's paid off well for him. And the biggest thing, the, my biggest surprise, my biggest takeaway from him uh, was once they got the running game going, that just opened up pass lanes. I know it's kind of cliche. It's kind of, you know, a, you know, it's an easy thing to turn to, but it's so, like, football doesn't have to be that hard. It's not rocket science. The, the, you, you stay consistent with the running game. The pass game does open up. He did a good job on the run, too, actually. Uh, did a good job outside the pocket. And Rice's offense, they're in shotgun more. So I didn't see this game live. I had to go back and watch it. But they're in shotgun more than I was anticipating. So I think they have uh, some diverse play calling, which is helping the pass game and just being consistent with that run game. I think they don't, I don't even think they average four yards per carry. I don't have the stat right out in front of me, uh, but they kept hammering the ball, hammering the ball, hammering the ball, and they got positives, positives, two yards, three yards, two yards, three yards, uh, which, which really helped Michael Collins settle in. And we, we put up a, a QB spotlight uh a video on Twitter of one of his touchdown passes. It was a slow go, so a slant and go to uh, – I forgot who the, the receiver was. Uh, you might remember off the top of your head. But it was basically Southern Miss's DBs caught looking. Uh, uh, Mike Collins had a great pump fake, and the DBs' eyes were in the backfield, and perfect touchdown to the corner of the end zone. Uh, so <clears throat> so it, it was good to see, you know, Collins build on last game too, that, you know, that second half wasn't just a fluke that, you know, he, he can – put the ball where he needs to put the ball and kind of build off that running game. So it should be rice fans should be looking forward to uh, just the offense development as a whole, because I thought it was cool that they weren't just under center and, and slamming the rock the entire time. Well, that's their sit. That's their kind of foundational attack. And that's their foundation of their offense. They're in shotgun several times rolling out Mike Collins several times. So uh, it was good to see that kind of diverse offense too. Steve, did you see anything from Collins? I, I want to get in a little bit of his background a little bit because he was a guy who, I believe this is his third school, if my memory, memory serves me correct, was at TCU prior to this. You see anything just from that play? And granted, you know, 12 to 17 isn't a huge sample size, but did you see anything from his play that leads you to believe, like, all right, he's a guy who is at the right level at Conference USA and can kind of excel and be one of the um, upper echelon of CUSA quarterbacks, which would really help Rice because they've been searching for that guy for a couple of years now. Yeah, it's almost been – I don't want to say they've been a quarterback away, right? Because they've had multiple things to work through. But you're right that the elevated quarterback play, you know, elevates the entire play. And granted, you know, it was a win against Southern Miss, who, you know, is what on their second interim coach, third head coach now. Uh, so, you know, they're going through a, a bunch of issues, but still, is a is a it was a dominating win and, and something encouraging for fans. So to answer the question, yeah, I think I think this is the perfect level. Uh, of competition for him right now. I'm not saying, you know, he's not power five worthy is because, you know, he did get playing time at TCU, but you know, so far he's got eight touchdown passes through two games. So I, I think he's kind of finding his, his, uh, his place as far as the college football, as far as college football goes. Yeah. So what I want to talk about really quick and before we transition into, you know, we'll just go and transition to the rest of the CUSA game since we're coming off of Mike Collins. I think Austin Tramble, Steve, he is a guy who I put out a tweet in the offseason saying that Austin Trammell and Brad Rosner, if those guys had a Mason Fine at quarterback over the past two years, they would easily both be thousand yard guys. You know, both guys have not eclipsed a thousand yards in their career. Austin Trammell was a guy who's really been in the shadow of the other receivers. Last year was Brad Rosner, him leading the team in touchdown catches and yards per catch. And then Aaron Cephas, who was kind of the big play guy prior to that. 
Trammel, Trammel, excuse me, was kind of looked at as like the, you know, <laughs> the stereotype, the small, diminutive uh, white receiver, right? You know, 5'9", 5'10", 180 pounds, uh, a guy who maybe was viewed as a product of the system. But I think in 2020, especially with Brad Rosner out, he's going to a chance to show that he can be the go-to guy in the offense. Did you see anything, you know, just from, you know, the touchdown grabs you may have seen that uh, led you to be like, hey, you know, it, th- that can be a pretty dynamic duo with Collins and Austin Trammell. Yeah, that's a good question. So I, I wasn't paying specific attention to ne- necessarily like like the receiver position. Sure, sure but, of course. But he is someone who did jump out on film. I, I, I think he was the guy who ran that sluggo um, that had that touchdown that we talked about a few minutes ago from, from Mike Collins. So uh, I think, you know, it's their second game playing uh, together. And I think, you know, they're kind of finding their chemistry, if you will. And you could say, so they were kind of, you know, the argument was, you know, they missed their first, whatever, four or five games of the year. So they're kind of playing behind. But another argument could be, you know, they've had four or five weeks to develop that chemistry and now they're transferring their practice success to the to game success. So obviously only played two games. We still got to see, but like we, like we just said, eight touchdown passes and, and a few have been to Tremble. So uh, I think they're kind of getting that rapport and, you know, Rice fans should be excited for that and for that offense. We will transition into another Conference USA game. Louisiana Tech, UAB, definitely want to get your input on this one, Steve, because this was one that if I told you, Steve, you know, granted you are a QB-specific guy, but through, you know, doing this podcast and, you know, our friendship, you've been able to learn a fair amount about Conference USA. If I told you that UAB had a two-touchdown lead entering the fourth quarter, you would feel pretty confident given not necessarily what their quarterback situation may be, but just their style of play and their defense that they'd be able to close it out. That's pretty fair, right? 100%. Run the game, play good defense. Yep, 100%. Somehow, some way, credit Skip Holt's team. They managed to come back from 14 points down, pick up a big Conference USA West win. QB issues, as I'm reading your notes right here, serious QB issues as a team. I agree. The final numbers there, 11-23 for 147, two INTs. Bryson Lacero was responsible for both those INTs. Then Louisiana Tech, your question is, do they go with Aaron Allen? I will go on and tell you right now, Corey Diaz, my guy who covers Louisiana Tech down there in Louisiana, says that they will be going with Luke Anthony or at least the depth chart reads as much. So with those two things being said, La Tech UAB. Take it away, Steve. That's uh, interesting about the Luke Anthony, Aaron Allen. But anyways, let's, let's go with, with UAB. I feel like, I feel like if they're 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 above they're average they're an average quarterback play away from probably being the favorite in conference USA. Is that fair? Or besides Marshall, probably right. They're probably the second best team if they have an average quarterback. Would that be fair? UAB fans are longing for 2018 AJ Erdley. Uh, yeah, I can tell you that. Or, or excuse me, 20, 2017 AJ Erdley. They are longing for that. Just that steady, you know protect the football and let the, the defensive run game do the rest. They're longing for that. It's almost like, that's a good point. Cause it's like, you know, TJ three and Sarah, like they're good. They're, they're good athletes. They have good arms. They push it downfield. But like what you just said, UAB's offense doesn't necessarily call for that type of uh, quarterback. You know what I mean? Like they, they want the even keel, you know, take what the defense gives you. It's okay. If we don't hit that deep 30, 40 yard, pass you know because you know we've got a good defense we'll take the field goal you know and that might not be the sexy thing um but it got them results with with AJ like you said so there's some serious quarterback issues uh that they have that they, they got to get figured out so I don't know if you know and like we've talked about with other quarterbacks that have been using a two quarterback system if they just pick one guy and go with him you know or or, or what they're going to do um 
but I don't know if they go back to play calling or what, but they got one of the best running backs in all of conference USA. So, you know, hopefully they can just rely on him. Uh, as far as Louisiana Tech goes, now I'll let you jump back to, to UAB, Eric, if you want to touch on touch on those guys. But as far as yes, yeah, as far as Louisiana Tech goes, super impressive with Aaron Allen. Just you know, with Luke Anthony getting the majority of of playing time the past few weeks. Of course, Allen has been has been in every game, uh, but he he kind of that last drive led them down to score the game winning touchdown to force overtime and then win the game. And doing that, he was eighteen and twenty six for a buck ninety one and two touchdowns off the bench. So I thought he took something that he does well is he's. He takes what the defense gives you. He doesn't necessarily push it downfield as much as Luke Anthony has shown to to do. But but you know what you're getting with him, and you know he, he's probably uh, you know he'll take off and run some as well. So I'm I guess I'm a bit surprised they're going with Luke Anthony uh, on their next game. However, uh, you know Anthony's a, a good quarterback in his own right. Just struggled a little bit uh, against the UAB defense, but it did show the composure and kind of the the ability, the, the mental aspect of Aaron Allen's game to you know be down by 14 points and tie at the end of the game. So interesting, definitely some interesting quarterback play all around in conference USA. And now Louisiana tech can be thrown into that category. Steve, I want to ask you this really quickly, as far as the situation with Louisiana tech, North Texas, I'm trying to think if there's another school on top of my head. I think you, you can't really put UAB in the good right now because they're kind of bouncing around. But right. if you're a lot taking North Texas or even, you know, I kind of retweeted. There was a funny thing from Kara Ritchie, who does radio in Jonesboro, Arkansas, where Arkansas State is. She did yeah. like a election deal that I sent you, right, with uh, Lane Hatcher, Logan Bonner. Is, are we, is this something we could see more of as far as two quarterbacks who granted Logan Bonner and Lane Hatcher are the best of the bunch. Those two guys, are, I think, have clearly done enough to show that they can start. That's just what Blake Anderson is doing. But even Aaron Allen and Luke Anthony are showing, you know, very good signs in, in their play. And same thing with Jason Bean and Austin Ani. Is this a thing that, you know, you could just go with two guys and, and, and just figure out the rest, you know? Yeah, so I think I think there might be two answers. One, you know, COVID could, of course, be playing some type of role in that. There, weren't, weren't on, there were not a lot of reps in the offseason, so – you know, there, there's, you know, they're still being evaluated, if you will. And then two, the new, not the new thing, but now like with, with the transfer portal being such a big deal, especially with quarterbacks, you know, they want to start right away. It's like another tool. Okay. We don't want to lose this guy. Do we play both of them? So that's something going into the coach's head. So I don't know if we'll see that a ton moving forward, but you know, we're definitely seeing it more this year. And even, you know, with the school you covered at FIU, of course, the quarterback play hasn't, been up to the standards as some of these other schools, but you're still seeing a lot of, you know, quarterbacks being rotated through. So I'm interested to get yeah, your, your thoughts on this, just because you, you know, you talk with coaches and you deal with, you know, transfers and, and kind of, you know, I want to kind of see what, what you think about, you know, the, 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 the own question that you asked me. From talking to some people around, you know, various coaching circles, I think that they, of course, they ideally want to have one starter. Mm -hmm. However, if they don't see that one guy is lighting it up to a certain level, right? You know, and, and I don't want to say Trevor Lawrence, it's the best, arguably the best quarterback in college football. But if you're, a, especially at the G5 level, if you have two quarterbacks who present different things, excuse me, who present, um, who, who present uh, different, not necessarily styles, but they, they both have different characteristics in the way they lead but can efficiently get the job done out there. And most importantly, what I'm hearing, they have the synergy with the guys on the field. 
I think it could be something that you could see more G5 teams say, hey, if we don't necessarily feel comfortable just handing the reins over to one guy, let's go ahead and play two and see what happens. But with that being said, I do think the majority of this is a COVID-related thing. You know, if you're having to split the reps, this is what you got to be, you know, fair. um, uh, This is what you have to consider. How many teams are splitting reps and not giving reps just to one guy? Because, hey, he could be a COVID guy come Thursday and all of a sudden you don't have a quarterback, right? Yeah, very true. Yep. So with that, we will transition. Uh, Let's transition to one more thing, Steve. I want to go ahead and take a look at FAU, the FAU-UTSA game. Any thoughts you may have on the UTSA quarterback situation, given what you saw of a really sturdy FAU defense? And then Nick Tronti, I'm wondering not necessarily what you saw from his play, but is there a guy who he kind of reminds you of? One of the announcers during the broadcast, I believe it was Chris Hassel, excuse me, Chris Hassel and Max Starks were on the call, who said that coming out, he was kind of compared, you know, being a three-star guy in Indiana as like a pocket passer. In actuality, he's actually Nick Tronti as Tim Tebow, and he kind of, you know, embodies, not embodies, but envisions himself as kind of that Tebow guy who just go out there and win games. I kind of see him in that realm as well. I'm not saying he's Tim Tebow at Florida, but yeah. I definitely think he's a guy who you shouldn't expect him to turn into a 300-yard passer, but provides a different element as just a gamer yeah. that can still put your team in good position to win. Yeah, yeah, no, that's yeah, that's that's a so that, that's a good question about Tronti. I, I'm glad you asked that. You got my mind going now. Uh, let's so with with UTSA, we'll go to the first part with UTSA. It's not a game I got a ton of eyes on. Um, I was kind of bummed to see them just struggle as a whole offensively just because they've had some success the past few weeks, and it looks like they were taking a step forward offensively, um, and then this was kind of a, a step backwards. So, again, we've talked about this before, taking more deep shots. I don't know if they took more deep shots to kind of open up the, the passing attack. I was reading some stuff on Twitter, and it just it seemed like, and I know, you, I know you got eyes on the game, but it seemed like FAU's defense was kind of – Stacking the box and you know, playing close to the line of scrimmage, just daring them to daring the pass game to beat you, um, and they just I guess were, were, were focused on shutting down the, the run game, and so uh, you know kind of a bummer just because you know they were playing so well. Um, but as far as with with Nick Tronti, I don't he, he's not your typical uh, pocket passer by any means. So I definitely view him more as that. Do you remember a quarterback at South Carolina named Connor Shaw? So Connor Shaw was a talented guy, much a, a better thrower than than uh, than Tronti, but he's one of those guys you just couldn't put your finger on it. He just kind of got the job done. A very good athlete, stuck around the NFL for a little bit, practice squad. Uh, that name, for whatever reason, comes to mind. Uh, even like a a I don't want to compare him to a Sam Ellinger because they're to, they're too, they're built totally differently. But as far as like, if you look at like their stat line, like Sam Ellinger is like you know eleven of twenty five or twenty four or something this past week, and he did a lot of his damage not even on the ground, just like whenever it counted, you know, in, in big situations. That's kind of what I see Tronti as, like a situational player, if that makes sense. He knows what the situation is, knows what the circumstances. And you know, it has been able to you know rise to the occasion for the for the most part. Does that does that kind of you know answer the question? Do you, would you agree with that, or, or do I kind of go off off base there? No. And Steve, here's the thing: yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, I know this is a QB centric yeah. podcast, right? And you kind of want there's there's levels to it, right? So you have your Astro Harris of the world, Chris Reynolds of the world, guys like that who are still capable of throwing for 250 at any time. 
And then maybe you have your guys like, you know, Driscoll, that Florida the year before. I believe it was, Jay, it was Jason Driscoll, because I always get my Driscolls mixed up, who was at Florida Atlantic, excuse me, um, before the uh, Chris Robinson era came. And he was a guy who just made some plays with his legs, made enough plays with his arms. Even, hell, a, a more recent Conference USA reference, Ty Story. You know, yeah. Ty Story was a runner, but he was a guy who just, he had his game and he could win games with him. There's nothing right. wrong with him. Yep. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's, it's, it's just a different style of quarterback play is all it is. So. Exactly. So let's go and transition to the American, Steve. Uh, Central Florida, UCF Knights, my alma mater, they took on Houston, even though your notes here says UF. I know there are plenty of Knights fans who wish they played UF, but that wasn't the case. Thoughts on Dylan Gabriel. You know, we've talked about him. We did a deep dive on him earlier this year, but just curious your thoughts on uh, that game itself, you know, Dylan Gabriel, the performance again, a really solid one. And, you know, I mean, I guess you could say it's a bit of a down game as far as the percentage completion percentage, but still, you know, better than 80, 85% of quarterbacks out there. And then of course the Houston offense. Yeah. So I think with Gabriel, it's just like, you know, another week kind of just same story, different week, even though I, I put like, I put a parentheses down game, so to speak, even though it wasn't, but you know, you know, when, when a quarterback's in the zone and he goes 19 and 33 for 328 yards, two TDs, no interceptions. And you consider that a down game, even though it wasn't, then you know, he's playing at, a, at an elite level. And I, I'll put him up there playing at an elite level right now, especially the past few games throwing for, you know, uh, had over five touchdowns against Memphis and, and over five touchdowns last week. So, uh, Still a good game, and he wasn't asked to do as much. They got to a comfortable lead against U of H, so it wasn't like the shootout we necessarily thought. You know, they got ahead and just kind of set in the lead, and it was interesting. I, I was surprised that U of H's offense, maybe it's just a fluke, but I was surprised they weren't able to do much against UCF's defense. Just going into the game, I, I thought U of H had more weapons on the outside than what Memphis presented against UCF, just with Memphis's receiver uh, Coxie being out when they played. So. I was a bit surprised uh, that they weren't able, to, weren't able to put up more points. So I don't know if this changes my thought on, thoughts on Houston on U of H's offense uh, or if it changes my thoughts on UCF's defense. Uh, it, it was just a, a bit surprising for the U of H offense to you know lack those explosive plays that they've shown the past few weeks against Tulane and, and uh, Navy last week. Was Navy last week? I can't remember. But but whoever they played last week, they had some more explosive plays as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think the big thing from the UCF offense perspective that they've kind of looked a little in rhythm, right? And I think, listen, I know a lot of Knights fans were upset about certain things with the offense and the losses. You know, you're, you're going to lose games. That it, it is that this season should help UCF fans and people, cultural fans as a whole, appreciate that undefeated streak even more so because it's hard to win football games. But with that being said, the offense looked more in rhythm, and I think that is probably due to, you know, maybe having more practice time as opposed to the games where they lost, where, you know, they look good to an, to an extent, and then maybe they have some second-half struggles or, you know, the offensive line would have some issues. So, you know, definitely all around. Again, I would say take COVID into consideration when assessing a lot of things. Let's transition to a guy here who I know both of us have interest in, and that's Desmond Ritter and Cincy want to go ahead and have you talk about him a little bit and then touch on Brady White because I know both of us were a little bit surprised at you know his performance that uh that game yeah so this was a, I was super pumped for this game and since he just ran away with it since he's got a solid D and we'll talk about Brady White in a second but I was even more I knew since since his defense was solid I was impressed more with, with Desmond Ritter and like he he put the whole package together like he always we, we've talked about him before he has talent and 
He's got a strong arm, good athlete, can really spin it. And uh, he really put it all together and was consistent today – or not, excuse me, not today, this past weekend. Uh, and it, since they really found, found – they found their, their stride as a whole offensively. And I think whenever he you're, you find your stride, you're feeling comfortable, you're playing looser. It doesn't look like, he, look like he's playing as uptight. Offensive line is doing a, doing a good job protecting him. He's got a he, he's uh, several of his deep throws. He's had a big clean pocket to step in and throw. So I think the fact that he's playing looser and more comfortable is, is a big uh, contributor to the success he's having. And then we go to the other side, Memphis Brady White, someone who we've been high on the past few weeks. Even with the down game against Temple, I was impressed that you know they had a down game, but he still had four touchdowns and was able to bounce back and, and at least lead the team to win. However. I'm a Brady White fan. We, we both are. He's a good quarterback, but this just wasn't one of his. He, he made reads that you know a, he wasn't making reads and was making decisions that a, a six-year quarterback should and shouldn't be making. So there were several times that he just missed reads. He was hesitant to throw for whatever reason, and you know several decisions and several passes that you know just flat out a, a six-year senior shouldn't be making. So that was a bit disappointing to see uh, taking that step back. Grant, since his defense is good but you know when you're a six-year uh quarterback and, and you're supposed to be one of the best quarterbacks and in, in the conference you would like uh, to see your level of play step up against uh this uh, the defense's level of play so good good on Ritter uh White with this with a game that he struggled on uh but I still think White will bounce back and you know finish the season strong but definitely high on Ritter after this game Steve before we do a quick run through of the Mountain West and the Sun Belt I want to ask you a question and go and take you know your time on this one. We talk about NFL quarterbacks, right? And we say that the timeline on them, I've heard it, you know, referenced by certain analysts that something like 32 or 35 games worth, right? Is what you need uh, to accurately uh, assess a pro quarterback who's coming from college to know whether he has it or not. My question for you is, is this, Steve, what do you need to know or how much time do you need to know as far as a college quarterback? Can you apply the same thing where after you've seen a college quarterback for X period of time, the guy just is who he is and he's exhausted his level of talent. For some reason, I think at times we tend to, for lack of a better phrase, DK Metcalf players, right? Which is DK Metcalf for anyone who saw the Seattle Seahawks, you know, stud receiver at Ole Miss did not look like he was going to be this guy. He showed flashes. But he certainly didn't look like he would get to the pros and, you know, all of a sudden he'd be a game breaker, right? But you get to the NFL, better coaching. I'm sure having Russell Wilson, a quarterback, doesn't hurt, and the guy's a stud. I'm curious, can you apply any of that at the collegiate level? Yeah, I think to an extent. But I think what how you just answered that with Metcalf, I think answered this as far as coaching has so much to do with it. Development has a lot to do with it. And every, you know, it's such an individual growth. Like if we look at like Jamar Smith, like his first few seasons at Wild Tech, he showed the glimpses and you thought, okay, you know, how many, how much, how much more can he really grow? Like he is who he is. And boom, senior year, arguably the best quarterback in conference, you would say, gets a shot in the NFL, you know? So I, I, that's a case of someone, you know, putting all the pieces together. I think in White's case, I think he, I think, I think he's shown, we know who he is and it's not a bad quarterback by any means, but we know who he is. And so, um, but I do think he's better than what he showed this past game against Cincy. Uh, so I think that's a rare case of a, a step being taken back just for that game, not overall. So I know the answer to the question uh, to a T, 
Uh, but I think a lot has to do with just the overall coaching and the development and then just the individual player himself. No, and, and I, th I think that's a fair that's a fair answer. You know, there's only, um, especially at the collegiate level, because <laughs> here's the deal. You know, the coaching, I'm a big believer that coaching plays a huge part, right? So the coaching you may receive at the high school level may not be what you receive in college and so on and so forth. But I, it's kind of tough to pinpoint at what point do you know when you have a guy just exhausted his talent. But with Brady White being a 60-year senior, it's something that, you know, you'd want to consider. But let's go ahead and uh, quickly jump into Mountain West. Steve, uh, Jack Sears, the guy who came in from Southern Southern California, excuse me, uh, started from Boise State. What did you see from him? Yeah, so I didn't even know he was uh, starting until I turned on the game. And right when I turned on the game, I see a 50 – 50-yard bomb in the air for a touchdown. I'm like, that's not Hank Bachmeyer. <laughs> and so um, this was a game I was kind of watching off and on, off and on. But, man, what a first what, – what a great start for Jack Sears going 17-20, 280, and, and three touchdowns. And uh, kind of stayed there, dominant the whole game. Uh, and, and, you know, he had a bunch of help uh, running game and his receivers as well. But, <clears throat> you know, they, they got a – I won't preview this game too much, but, you know, a, a big game against BYU this week. So I think regardless if Bachmeyer is the guy or Jack Sears is the guy, I think Boise can at least uh, feel comfortable that they have solid play under center going up against that, that BYU team. Let's take a trip to the fun belt. Definitely want to touch on these two games, which means four teams really quickly, Steve coastal and Georgia state want to get your thoughts on that one. The game itself, not much of a contest 51 zero coastal definitely looks like they're heading in the right direction, but especially considering the fact that we've been high on the Georgia state quarterback, want to get your thoughts on that. And then from there, want to go ahead and get your thoughts on Troy and Arkansas State specifically, not necessarily the two quarterback system because, you know, we've talked about that ad nauseum, but Jacob Free. But I'll let you start with Coastal and Georgia State. Awesome. So I'll, I'll just kind of roll, roll through it briefly to, to touch on. So uh, this is Grayson McCall's first game back for Coastal. And, man, just picked up right where he left off, five total TDs, four to the air, one on the ground, not even a game. I think Georgia State, they were maybe only like two-point – underdogs or maybe yeah like two-point underdogs two-point underdogs and just not even a game and just a dud of a game for the for their offense so kind of disappointing with Cornelius Brown but hey you know true redshirt freshman been playing so well these games are bound to happen I, I fully expect him to bounce back but Coastal Coastal is legit this year and then going on to Troy against Arkansas State uh you know we won't spend too much time on the, on the two quarterback system but the issues have you know started to show a bit for Arkansas State. And then with Jacob Free starting in place for the injured Gunnar Watson for Troy, uh, just several TDs, 419 yards passing, uh, just a solid overall performance. And he's a guy I was kind of high on, uh, was it last, two years ago coming out of, of JUCO. Uh, I really liked his film, and we, we did some stuff on him when he was coming out. And before he went to JUCO, he played up Vandy. So obviously a talented guy. guy a, he's a big guy, big, strong arm. So I'm not sure what the timetable is for, for Gunnar Watson. I'm not even sure what his – uh, why he was out uh, but you know Troy we've said this before they just have solid quarterbacks whoever takes snaps under center just succeeds so if, if you're a quarterback getting recruited by Troy uh, take them seriously so Steve want to go ahead and jump into week nine and I want to start with the American Cincy and Houston your note here is there any chance that Cincy could slip up not going to do a quick game preview but just necessarily from Desmond Ritter, what do you want to see from him against you know a Houston team that's struggling? Yeah, so you you want to see Ritter not take a step back, right? We just talked about 
how good he was against Memphis, and it was impressive. So you want to see that level of play again because this is, you know, it's kind of a – it could be a slip-up spot. They just had a big game against – a big win against Memphis. Before Memphis, since they had a big win against SMU, they have U of H, who's supposed to be, you know, another uh, quality opponent in the American. But they might be thinking, hey, we just beat – SMU and Memphis, we pounded them. U of H just got beat by like three touchdowns against UCF. So the last thing you want to do is kind of take your foot off the gas pedal. You want to keep it going. And U of H is coming in, you know, probably pretty upset with their uh, performance against UCF. So they're trying to you know, get, get, get an upset uh, against Cincy. Uh, but as far as just the quarterback play from Ritter, just pick up where he left off. Don't do too much. And, and just, just keep watching the film against SMU and against Memphis and take those notes and keep building off that success. This is one from Conference USA that I'm very interested in. Should be a good matchup. Charlotte, Mill, Tennessee State, Chris Reynolds, Ash O'Hara, two guys we've talked about a lot. But just the fact that this looks to be, uh, looking at the CUSA schedule, looks to be the best Conference USA game of the weekend. Want to hear your thoughts, Steve? Yeah, so these, I'm, I'm biased. Uh, I, I, you know, I enjoy every quarterback, watching every quarterback play. But Chris Reynolds and, and Ash O'Hara might be my two favorite guys just because they – remind me of myself a little bit you know they're not big guys they're in that five tennis range that 180 190 range and they're able to move around with their legs a little bit uh more than more than a little bit especially Asher O'Hara but similar style of quarterbacks Chris Reynolds is definitely going to rely more on throwing uh and definitely rely more on the RPO scheme and system and he's not looking to run but he definitely can if he needs to that's something we've talked about I actually would like to see him run a bit more than he has been uh running this season and then you got Astro O'Hara, who we, I know they were off this past week, but the week before had the big game against Rice, no turnovers, and they had that victory in overtime. So I'm looking for no turnovers for Astro O'Hara, and hopefully uh, Middle Tennessee can get more of the run game involved without just using him and can kind of help him. But two quarterbacks who, who we both enjoy watching, similar style game to an extent, like we said. Like you said, this should be the best matchup of Conference USA this week, especially best quarterback matchup. Let's go and do one more Conference USA game really quickly here. Louisiana Tech, North Texas. We both talked about them having pretty solid quarterback situations. Let me pose it to you this way, Steve. If you are watching this game as, you know, from a scouting perspective, right, what are you looking for from both teams' quarterbacks to say, like, all right, this could be something where they could not necessarily separate themselves and be the starter per se, because Tech is in a different situation. They're fighting for a division title. North Texas, not so much. But heading into next year, something that you could see that be like, all right, that establishes that guy, and it gives us hope that he can be the, the rest of this year's starter, but most importantly, hope to be the long-term answer for next year. Yeah, good. so good, good question. So with, with Luke Anthony and Aaron Allen, I, I don't know how much – I guess Luke Anthony has at least one more year of eligibility left with the, with the new COVID rules. So right. – uh, you know he'd be back but he, he's been kind of like loosey-goosey with with the ball uh not so much interception but just some fumbles here and there and, and, and you know taking some uh, some untimed deep shots uh and so I think if I'm Luke Anthony we kind of want to pull that back play within myself and, and give what the defense has takes take what the defense gives me and the defense should give you a lot <laughs> against North Texas and if you're Aaron Allen I think this is a time where you know you've taken what the defense has given you so this might be a time you can push it downfield a bit more and, and take a chance or two to take that next step. But it seems like he's right there. Like it seems like Luke Anthony was kind of a neck above him, but now it seems like they're neck and neck as far as who, uh, as who is the guy they're thinking of for the future. So this could be a big game for both of them. I, I, I think North Texas is, is set with Jason Bean and maybe I'm just so biased of his performance against uh, Middle Tennessee a few weeks ago. We had five touchdowns and just, 
kind of lit Middle Tennessee on fire. So if you're Jason Bean, you definitely want to build in that performance. Uh, but Osnani, of course, another talented guy in himself. So he's you know a bit older, but definitely someone who's not going to you know give up the the competition that easily. But if you're Jason Bean, you know, okay, I have the reins right now. So take control of it. If you have another good game or two, then you're definitely going to be the guy looked at down the road for for the future. Let's go ahead, Steve. I will let you choose the last one. We're going to finish it with the Mountain West. Wyoming, Colorado State, always a fun game, rivalry game on Thursday night. BYU and Boise on Friday night, and Utah State and Nevada on Thursday night, uh, Thursday. Which one do you want to take? Let's, so I'm going to dive into Wyoming, Colorado State here. And uh, I, even though I know BYU, Boise State's the, the bigger game, probably, that's getting like a lot of you know publicity otherwise. So let's give Wyoming, Colorado State some love. And, I think the, the best games in Mountain West this week this this week are actually you know Thursday and Friday night as opposed to to this weekend. So if, if y'all have nothing to do, uh, tune in. But Wyoming is coming in. They'll have Levi Williams, that quarterback, who replaced Sean Chambers uh, after the Mountain West's opening week. Uh, he when he got injured, and, and uh, Wyoming was led to win this past week. So they're one on one right now. And Levi Williams is a big guy. He can move a little bit. Has a big arm. Big kid from Texas. Uh, so you know he's going to bring it. And then Colorado State. So they're going through a kind of a, a quarterback situation right now, like many of the schools uh, that we've talked about are. You know, Patrick O'Brien, who started the majority of the games last year, once Colin Hill got hurt and did well. And then uh, they have a – I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name right. I've heard it so many times too. So uh, forgive me, uh, Todd Centineo. Or Cintio, I, I, again, I'm butchering that last name, but he's he's a, a, a transfer quarterback from Temple who started game one for Colorado State and very good athlete, was kind of iffy throwing the ball. O'Brien was the better thrower, uh, but I still think like that's a perfect situation where you could use both quarterbacks. They have different skill sets, uh, uh, and Centineo is a, a good athlete from uh, the South, from South Florida, uh, played at high school in South Florida, and then went to uh, Temple and transferred over to Colorado State. So a big rivalry game will be fun to watch. I'm assuming it's going to be colder weather there than what we have here, Eric. Uh, but there should be some interesting uh, quarterback storylines to keep up with for sure. Should have some fun football to watch throughout the weekend. Let's hope that COVID doesn't play too much of a factor. It's always fun to talk to my man, Stephen Hamner. You can always find him on Twitter at Stephen Hamner, S-T-E-V-E-N, Hamner, H-A-M-N-E-R. You can find the spot, the, the uh, podcast uh, the podcast account on Twitter at QB Spotlight. Excuse me, get my uh, my words tripped up here. At QB Spotlight, you can find me on Twitter always at Eric C Henry underscore. Thank you for listening. Happy football watching. Please stay safe in these times. It's a little bit getting a little bit crazy out there, especially with the rising COVID rate. So definitely want all you guys to remain healthy and safe and happy. Come back, join us next week. Steve will be back in the Lone Star State. I still will be here in the Sunshine State. Happy football watching, everybody. <laughs>